Hello, humans. Hello, humans. It's later in the day. Starting to head out to the coast again. Still in the downtown traffic here. Anyway, wanted to talk about something that was non... Well, sort of financially related in a weird way, but mostly not. And that's, um... Let's see. We used to call it, um... The School for the Recently Dead. Or Recently Deceased. That was it. Also called the uh, School of Dead Men. And it's a, uh, it's a concept here that uh, originates from uh, the... Uh, uh, first, from the process of uh, ingesting psychedelics and going to hyperspace. Okay? So, uh, this is not something that is easily fit into words, and words will never do justice uh, to the thing they're attempting to describe. They will fail miserably, but they've all we, it's all we've got are words to attempt to do this. Um, in the past, people attempting to express this would draw it on the cave walls, like shaman and stuff, right? And there's some really good examples in... Um, uh, northwestern Mexico on these caves over near um, the coast of uh, just this uh, idea of the school of dead men uh, or the school for the recently deceased uh, which is our more modern version of it and um, there are symbols for this uh, that you find all over the planet wherever anybody has done uh, psychedelics to the degree that they actually go to hyperspace, they will, the people have invariably, inevitably, as I am now, uh, have attempted to relay part of that experience to others. And so we find these images all throughout uh, caves and rock walls, anywhere there was a quasi-permanent surface uh, to work off of, we find that the shaman, the, the voyagers, uh, those people that journey to hyperspace, would record their journeys. So you see these same images in Australia. Uh, you see them in uh, the Maori caves, in uh, the forests in uh, New Zealand, where they uh, were there with psychedelic mushrooms, uh, Psilocybe cubensis mushrooms. Um, see it all over the place, right? In the South American Southwest, you'll see it in Arizona, New Mexico, uh, in cave walls etched in on the sides of um, uh, rock surfaces here and there, wherever there was an encampment, and people would do these drugs. And some people are able to get to hyperspace. I don't know how many, right? It's been a, um, it's a rarity, even among those people that do journeys in uh, using psychedelics. Uh, I think, personally, that it requires a, uh, a certain type of mentition. You have to be a certain type of a thinker. And I think that it requires, and I'm pretty sure about this, that it requires really substantial doses, right? Like shamanic levels. Uh, and so, uh, the process that you go through is, after the ingestation of it, maybe there's, maybe it's a half an hour, right? 
and you'll go through this uh, through the uh, onrush of it, the peak of the experience starting and all of this. But before you get there, if you've taken shamanic level doses, uh, you will experience uh, dying. All right, so your body will dismember itself uh, in your in front of your eyes and in your in your vision and in your mind while the drug is taking you over and uh, and starting to accelerate you uh, in towards hyperspace and so the effect is a death and you feel this and so we see these symbols uh, carved into rock walls etc you know scratched into cave walls and then painted over and repainted over and, um, you know, redone and uh, perfected and so on with each of the various different uh, journeys you take and you become more accustomed to it. You try and get more of the idea crossed and they worked on these images. And so the images are, are uh, not replicated for any other purpose. So some, some things you can see an image or a symbol that might be used for various different kinds of things depending on the culture. In this case, I don't think that any cultures ever use these images for anything other than this purpose, which is to basically uh, describe what it's like to go to hyperspace. And so when you take a shamanic level of the drug, you will die and you will feel your body uh, literally separate. And, and that's the image. And so frequently you'll see the image as a uh, prone human figure that's been chopped up. And no, it's not um, uh, about a sacrifice, right? There's Wherever these images are, you don't find uh, human sacrifice kind of things uh, sitting around. So all of the giant human sacrifices in um, Mesoamerica where, you know, they would kill 10,000 people, cut out 10,000 hearts in a day, to appease the God, that kind of thing, right? Um, uh, all of which, by the way, if you get in and look at the history of it, and go through and read the transliterations and all the stuff that's been written, uh, those poor Mesoamericans were having to uh, feed space aliens their adrenochrome. And they, they do this uh, through the abdomen fats, and the fats around the liver and the spleen and stuff. Those are taken out and specifically burned in a particular way. And there's all kinds of stuff within the Mesoamerican culture, including stuff they were forced to mine that had no other purpose other than um, the creation of the uh, uh, oxidized adrenaline uh, or adrenochrome. Anyway, though, so, so Mesoamerica was as... Um, trashed by these space aliens, as were uh, the people in the Middle East, the people in um, India, etc. Wherever these aliens landed, they wanted to uh, literally smoke the uh, adrenochrome out of the fats of the um, abdomen of human children and women, primarily. Uh, men don't have as much, and our adrenochrome, or our adrenaline, tends to be used up and excreted because of the nature of our muscle mass, which it's not the case with women and children. Anyway, um, so you see these images in caves, and I've seen them myself. I've seen them in um, uh, North America and in Mexico. Mexico's in 
Central America, most of it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, so I've seen these images of the prone human figure where their arms are separated into chunks and their hands are, are separated from the body, etc. All the major parts of the body are all separated by space as though it had been chopped up, intending to give the indication that that's what this person had experienced. And having experienced that myself, that is exactly what it feels like. It feels as though your body is totally disintegrating, and it'll, it'll feel like it's separating into chunks. It's not really. You're just sort of involved with the... Um, uh, the onset of the hallucinations at that point, and it's uh, overtaking your body, that part happens fairly quickly. Uh, it happens faster with the synthetics than it does with the uh, organic psychedelics. Uh, synthetics like the, you know, like LSD, LSA, some of these others. Um, they're fairly rapid onset. Uh, so it's a... Uh, Uh, anyway, though, so when you have that experience and your body disintegrates, that is the prelude to the shift into hyperspace. Now, I've seen, I've been with lots of people that have taken psychedelics. I've been to psychedelic raves. I've been to uh, giant psychedelic parties uh, before that. And not many people will take psych, uh, uh, psychedelics in effective shamanic doses. And so uh, most people that, in my opinion, most people that take uh, psychedelic drugs don't go to hyperspace. And of those who do, uh, the effect is always reported as the same as uh, going through uh, the process of the death, right? And so this is why uh, we called the, uh, the voyage to hyperspace as going to the dead man school. Or going to the school of dead men. When you're in hyperspace, you learn stuff. And you learn more stuff than you can properly uh, fit in your mind during the process of the experience. So during the journey, uh, stuff happens. You're aware of some of it. You have some knowledge you've learned right then and there. But the amazing part is that over the next weeks, months, and years, you will still continue to have new insights uh, and, and recover memories and recover memories of stuff you were taught in hyperspace. And, and over the period of years, it starts all making sense, right? It all starts connecting uh, over this period of time. Now, from my... Uh, journeys to hyperspace, I know that all of the um, uh, people doing physics, uh, especially all of the Ashkenazi Jews, okay, all of the uh, people doing physics have a wrong understanding of what they should, of what they're doing. And they all, um, especially the Jewish guys, especially the Ashkenazi, who are uh, Judaism is basically a form, or it, it accommodates atheism, okay? And there is no word for God in the Torah. It's all about the space aliens, um, the L. But um, there are, um, within the physics part of the Ashkenazi uh, group that thinks they're scientists and they're going on out and studying all of this kind of stuff, within the physics part, 
Uh, it has been really fucked up by Einstein and his ilk. General re relativity and quantum mechanics is 100% bogus, and all of the mathematics that they use to support it is fiddled. So whenever they do an experiment, they always go back and retrofit the, the math to actually match the experimental results that came out. So it's all, um, it's all corrupt. It's all uh, basically a con job. And uh, quantum mechanics and um, general relativity are not producing anything for us uh, in the way of science, aiding us with fundamental uh, new breakthroughs. All of humanity has been stymied since uh, we uh, were forced by the Khazarians to laud uh, Einstein over Tesla. There was a big battle in the 20s and 30s to make Tesla pariah and to pump up Einstein as the anti-Tesla. And it worked because the, the um, Khazarians, the Ashkenazis, owned the media and so they were able to pimp this idea out that, you know, and just ignore Tesla basically. Anyway, though, their failure is that they're, the majority of the uh, Jews that I see in uh, physics uh, lean towards atheism. Okay, so they're the atheistic. So they're sort of participatory Jews. They do some of the rituals and this kind of stuff, but they're not deep into it. They're not, you know, uh, living um, under the heel of the rabbi, telling them how to do stuff. Bear in mind, rabbis are judges. They're not like priests. They're not, you know, they're not a pastor per se. They're a um, uh, not a guru. Uh, they're a judge. They're an enforcer. Anyway, though. So because of that atheism, in my opinion, they never ever deal with consciousness as an aspect of universe. And of course, obvious, and they just assume uh, consciousness is entirely located in us uh, within the material. And so they have all these assumptions that are not valid. Their assumptions relative to consciousness and, and how it originates and so forth are informed by Judaism, which leads them astray leads them in the wrong way. So all of their theories, none of the stuff, in my opinion, um, no, none of the Ashkenazis that I've seen that are involved in physics today will ever have primary fundamental discoveries because of the way in which their minds have been informed and the way they think about uh, our reality. So you have to understand that there's two huge conditions that exist within the Jewish uh, social order that people just don't really grasp. And one is that the, um, the Talmud uh, has as its basis an exclusivity of uh, content. That is, the Talmud, if you, the Talmud does not basically allow any thoughts that are not within it to have any importance. So it denies all reality that is not put within the Talmud itself, excepting the uh, base of rabbinical knowledge. And so if you read the Talmud, it goes in and it talks about Rabbi so-and-so and what he did and so on, and their thoughts, and some of them write some of these things and, and this, but there's all these uh, big assumptions because they are they are essentially writing for people like themselves that have this have been through the rabbinical schooling process and have a base level of knowledge that is just simply not uh, openly stated within the writings and is is assumed 
and referenced obliquely and sometimes referenced directly, but without ever stating what the reference is going to. So unless you're part of it, so it's really cool in a, in a way of uh, keeping deep inner knowledge away from outsiders, um, because unless you've gone through the schooling and stuff, the uh, you're missing maybe a third of all of the basic assumptions, right? And so you'll never really understand it. But because of the nature of the Talmud and because of the nature of the document, how it originated around the Torah, and the fact that the Torah has nothing in it about God or religion, and is only about these space aliens and what we had to do, what the, the Judeans had to do to survive them, uh, because the book was written that way and the circumstances, it has this inherent flaw, and that is that it doesn't reference, or, or it's not self-referential. And so the, the Torah doesn't actually say, uh, you know, that this book was written by so-and-so, right? It doesn't have this, its own origin story encapsulated within the information within the Torah itself. Um, and that origin uh, that it has locked up in the rabbinical knowledge um, is basically atheistic and, and does not acknowledge the greater level of consciousness. So... It is factual to say that the the Talmud and in my reading of it, in stuff I've um, come across so far, uh, would not allow the idea that we all that we are all encapsulated little bits of consciousness being shoved down into the materium to do stuff. Um, it would allow that consciousness developed in the materium. And that somehow this consciousness is different from, but will return to uh, the God that is not referenced in the Torah, right? So there's all kinds of references to the to gods in the Talmud, but to God and gods, uh, but they but it doesn't uh, really connect back to any language within the Torah because there is none. So this is a really weird situation where these um, Ashkenazis uh, don't come from the precept that consciousness exists, consciousness at, at writ large uh, not only exists, but is all-pervasive. So they might think that about God, but they're not going to acknowledge that, that, the, that the materium is within consciousness, etc., etc., right? So, so they have, a, in my opinion, an ass-backwards way of thinking about it. Thus, we get Einstein, which is he's, general re relativity is just totally bogus and, and uh, wrong, and then they come up with uh, quantum mechanics to try and make it all work, and that makes it worse, and it starts getting into all of these uh, irrational numbers and shit, and you get people that develop like, you know, uh, the unified geometry shit that um, mathematics that uh, Eric Weinstein comes up with. Absolutely useless to doing anything. Um, it'll never ever provide us with a fundamental breakthrough that will allow us to engineer squat. So, anyway, though, it is their fundamental uh, atheism that makes the situation the way it is now, where uh, they think of the materium as dead, where they think of as, you know, rocks as dead and, um, and dirt is dead and mountains are, are, inanim or, or, are not animated matter, okay? So they don't understand that all matter uh, is basically the same and that the uh, only difference between sand and us 
as matter is the degree of consciousness that's bound into us relative to the sand. But sand, even so, still has some level of consciousness because it is basically a, a, a crystallized, so to speak, form of the consciousness that is all-pervasive. Just as we are animated versions of that consciousness bound into matter uh, such that we might do things. Now it's the the doing things that we're supposed to to be here for, right? This is a this is a school. So from the vantage point of hyperspace, you understand that uh, that where we are at now is basically the school for dead men. We're just not yet dead, or the school for men who were recently deceased and now are no longer deceased because they're in with a new life. And so in this school, this earth, uh, this materium, there are lessons that we have to go through. These lessons are um, uh, individual. So everybody gets their own set of lessons, right? Sometimes you might share some lessons with some people. Uh, you know, everybody in the uh, in a company in war will experience, you know, some level of commonality, but even then, their um, their experience is going to be individuated, and it has to do with the nature of the the materium and the nature of what consciousness is doing here as an experiment. So uh, we get the um, consciousness denying. Uh, atheistic approach from the Ashkenazis who dominate uh, because of the Khazarian influence they dominate uh, science because the Khazarians must dominate science so that they can control everything they're all about control um, that's why they invented woke to slice and dice humanity by all these different things so that they can control us by uh, pitting us against each other by gender, race, you know height, number of toes, all this kind of thing so anyway, um, consciousness denied as the basis for everything means that you will never discover an actual theory of everything that is meaningful. And there are many people that don't buy into the consciousness denied part. Now, I've put a, a link on my Twitter feed to a uh, new video that's out, just dropped the other day, about Cozy Rev's time experiments at the North Pole. Now, Cozy Rev was a Russian scientist. Uh, he was um, thrown into, um, he was denounced as a counter-revolutionary and thrown into a gulag for 10 years, for 20 years, but they let him out 10 years early. And he gets out and he... Um, uh, uh, he'd been thinking the whole time, right? He's a theoretical physicist, probably the best in the world at that time, certainly, but maybe ever. And he was thinking about things, and he came to the same conclusion that I had, that time is a fundamental force. Now, he and I differ in how we consider time, okay, and how we think about time and so on. He thinks of the universe, the materium here, and time as being steady state um uh, existence, uh, you know, uh, and and I don't. We I don't think there's any steady state anywhere in reality, and certainly not in our materium. 
and certainly not within time. That, that I think of all of this stuff as just flashing into and out of existence so fast that we perceive it as continuous, solid, um, and, um, and constant. Uh, where where it, it is continuous, it is solid, uh, perceptibly, uh, but it's simply not constant. It just flashes in and out of uh, reality. Or reality flashes into existence and then fades out. Now, so Cozy Rev's idea of time was solid state. In his experiments, he developed this idea that you could alter the angle of incidence of time through a mirror. And so it seems funny, but he made a mirror that altered time and people participated in experiments with it. And it's all quite fascinating. Uh, the number of people in the experiment, the results they had, and so on. And I can explain uh, all of the effects that we see from the uh, Cozy Rev mirror, from what they call Cozy Rev space, which because of the nature of this mirror, you got into it. You walked into this spiral and inside the spiral, sort of like a house of, of mirrors kind of an effect. And within there, you would experience time in a different way. And the longer you were in there, the more uh, deviance in the time you would experience. So if you're only in there for a few minutes, you might um, might actually see a UFO. You might see an apparition in the, that might look like a ghost. You might have some very great um, mental... Uh, effects here of um, fear, all different kinds of things, uh, but it would be relatively brief and it would happen fairly fairly quickly once you were in there. If you just went on in there and stayed there and went through all of these things, very much like a journey to hyperspace, where you simply endure because you have no choice because you've in ingested the drug and it's in your system now, but if you did that within the cozy rev space, you would get to the point where you would experience yourself in another age, and this was consistent. So, in my opinion, what this was doing was not affecting time the way that most people would expect. It did affect time the way that Cozy Rev expected, if you read his writings, but not the way that most people would expect. But it was also affecting your consciousness, okay? And that's primarily where the impact was being perceived. And so some of these people were in there for hours and they would like in the last hour and a half or two hours of it, if we thought of it as like a psychedelic trip, then they would have the experience of say, uh, living in ancient Rome, right? Or uh, uh, riding with uh, Tomogen in, a, in the Mongolian horde. So this kind of thing. And they would have that experience, uh, a moment by moment kind of, of experience. So living it in near real time, uh, very, realistic, uh, and it might go on for an hour and a half or so, and then it would fade and you, your body would uh, not be able to tolerate it anymore, and you'd leave the, the mirror. All different kinds of effects, but consistently within a, um, a set, a boundary set of uh, effects that everybody had. So all different kinds of symbols were presented and everybody saw these same kind of symbols, you know, or most of them saw the same kind of symbols, uh, even though everybody's uh, interaction with the mirror was individually. So anyway, so this, so I'm with Cozy Rev, right? Time is a force that was in the materium. And in my opinion, very little else 
exist other than time because of the nature of all of this stuff happening. Now, he, as I say, he had the idea of a steady state. Uh, so his idea was that you could go to the North Pole because there was ice there that was, you know, potentially thousands of years old. It had time encapsulated in that process. Now, he's correct that every every uh, instance of uh, turning water to ice actually encapsulates some time within the water. Water is very... Um, uh, has an affinity to time, and time has an affinity to water. Uh, they're both... Uh, I won't go into the details. Okay, so um, I'm actually pursuing on my own experiments around the uh, these ideas of time that are my version of Cozy Rev's uh, time concentrator. Now, I'm not going to... which is what his mirror really was. It wasn't a reflector. It was a concentrating uh, spiral. Okay, so I'm working with uh, other metals than Cozy Rev used, and other processes, uh, but I'm still working towards a what we could think of as like a time accumulator. His was a time concentrator. Mine's going to be more of an accumulator, and I think that this is going to be the uh, the approach to generate what we would think of as free electricity. It's going to be really fucking expensive to start producing that first watt. Um, but thereafter, you won't have any more expense to produce it because it's fuelless. Um, but even even beyond that, the accumulator approach, I, I believe, will get us to the point where we can do travel outside of time. It gets real complicated. I'll go into, into that at some point if anybody gives a damn. Um, but any event, though, so I'm getting some stuff sent to me. Um, I won't go into the details on that. I'm doing it all legally and stuff. The materials I'm using are not radioactive in the main, and um, uh, and I have legal possession of them and so on. And I purchase these for my experimentation purposes. So, uh, you know, so I'm kosher. I'm I'm legal, but uh, I'm on the edge of our um, current reality in terms of the thinking about uh, what might be possible. So out here on the coast. I'm going to start doing my little time experiments, and maybe I'll actually be able to come up with a device because it turns out the um, the technology to do things relative to time is not that complex. It requires a level of precision, a level of um, exquisite understanding of what you're doing, uh, but... It doesn't require a whole lot of, you know, giant gear like the Large Hadron Collider and that sort of shit, right? Uh, these fuckers won't be able to, the LHC, the, the CERN and the Large Hadron Collider, won't be able to do shit um, with their machinery. Got an idiot on the side of the road. Um, so they're never going to be successful with any of their stuff. I don't know what the fuck they're doing anyway. Um, but their their whole uh, they're they're exploring quantum mechanics, so we we know they're doomed to failure because quantum mechanics is um, a bogus idea, and they've been fucking with the math for the fifty past fifty years to try keep trying to convince us that it actually works. And that's starting to come out. All of this kind of stuff is going to come out. By the way, all of the bogus science and all that kind of shit will come out over these next few months. 
uh, it, it'll, if you're paying attention, it won't really sink in. Most people don't give a shit about physics, that, that kind of thing. But it will come out and the communities will be in an uproar as the money goes away and they won't be able to bribe people in the magazines and the libraries and schools and this kind of colleges and this kind of thing. So right now we've already had the, uh, the money collapse lead to uh, the commies uh, jumping up and down in Stanford Law School and uh, causing these justices problems. And, well, the justices said, okay, fuck it, we're not going to hire any Stanford Law grads to work in our courts, you know, because they're teaching this woke shit, not teaching law. They're not teaching these people to be effective humans. They're teaching them to be uh, tranny faws, right? and to, to be brown shirts and cause social engineering. And so now we're getting the pushback all around. Uh, I need to go into that much more. But in any event, though, so over these next few months, we'll have science come unglued the way that the law uh, system here in the U.S. is coming unglued. So I'm hearing now that Washington State law students in two colleges are going to be... Um, put on the block in terms of uh, denied access to jobs and stuff at, at two of these court systems because they gave because one, they, one or two of these judges got some shit from somebody and it's, they've said that's it they're not just not going to have it anymore and so there's going to be a bunch of Washington State uh, you know students that ain't going to get jobs some of them have already been promised um, so this is cool we're coming to that level I expect that the physics community is going to go totally crazy uh, uh, starting this summer. Maybe it'll be July or August. And then, uh, also coincident with that, the, Ash uh, the uh, Khazarians have to bring out the UFOs. And also, by the way, guys, UFO sightings are way the fuck up. Uh, I had this one guy tell me that um, he's in a position to know. He uh, works with the military. And... Um, uh, he's up here at one of the universities, and he was saying that his reports were that, that just in general, we've had a 500% increase in 2023 over 2022, and 2022 was a banner year. We had more then than previous years, so something's up, right? So the UFOs are, are here, and shit's happening. I think it's going to get uh, ever so much more interesting as we go through uh, summer and the degradation that will be caused which is necessary and I think is actually perfect, uh, that we have this level of degradation, okay? So uh, we have to destroy all of the crap that's been put on us, you know, last hundred years since Einstein. And we got to get rid of that structure that was supported by the Khazarians that is basically um, uh, making us all crazy because it is not reflective of reality. So just as there is no trans, there is no general re relativity. It's, it's this made-up thing that they're trying to make you believe is factual and exists. Anyway, so um, the school of dead men going into hyperspace uh, teaches you that there is only consciousness. So the shamanic experience in that regard would have been very good for any of these people that are actually into the physics here that that uh, are coming up with new ideas or trying to come up with new ideas and stuff because it would have set the basis that everything is consciousness and you have to start there. You can't just simply deny it and uh, say that the all of the world is, you know, 
non-conscious and matter is non-conscious and so on. That's not true. If you removed all of consciousness, there is no matter. And nor would it matter if you removed all of consciousness. So I'm at my next stop here and I've got to do some, some work. But the point of this is that the school of dead men, the school for the recently deceased, either way you want to look at it, right, uh, is a, a very valuable tool, not only in the designing of theories of everything from a physics perspective, but also in living daily life. And uh, we'll get into some more of those uh, lessons that you get out of that process. Uh, you know, it's very, most of it is very simple, and a lot of it is very um, practical, and uh, much of it is intuitive, but there are some non-intuitive parts of the uh, of stuff you learn uh, going into hyperspace. But one thing you learn for sure is that, that hyperspace is consciousness. And you are there, and you don't have your material body. It's lying in the in a cave somewhere, absolutely smacked out of uh, perception. You've opened the doors to perception with a psychedelic drug, and you've left your body behind. And your soul, for that matter. You leave your soul behind. Okay, because the soul is intimately connected with the body, and it's what maintains the body. Um... But in that process of going into hyperspace, absent the body, you are factually uh, reinforcing um, the idea that hyperspace exists as consciousness, as vibration, as frequency. And if you get back to it, the world and every the material thing, the general relativity, um, quantum mechanics, it, all of that stuff is particles. Okay, they're they're looking for grit. They're looking for little tiny particles, and, and they'll find them because universe is accommodating, and consciousness is accommodating, and it will accommodate their looking for these little particles infinitely, and they'll always find some other particle that is smaller. None of them are, are, are matter. None of them do matter. None of them are material to our interests, and none of them will ever aid in doing anything. All right, because it's all consciousness. Therefore, because it's consciousness, it's the pulse, and thereafter, everything is a wave. But you can see in the intersection of the waves the particles if you want to see them because consciousness is accommodating. But absent the understanding of consciousness, you're going to get a view that everything is grit, just glued together grit. And that's a, an entirely wrong perspective. And we will soon discover this as we go through into this summer, and we'll start having this um, new new renaissance. <coughs> It'll be tremendous. I mean, new inventions pouring out, new ways of thinking about all of this as we dump general re relativity, as we dump uh, quantum mechanics. Quantum is not yielding anything other than scams. You know, Nasara, Gasara, QFS, all of that kind of shit, right? It's all scams. Nothing is there. Anyway, though, so um, we'll dump quantum, and what is left is whatever we want to come up with. And we will default, to a certain extent, I think, back to an ether understanding, but that was flawed, too. And I think Cozy Rev and myself are on the right right trail here. And there's probably others. I haven't, I haven't seen any. I'm starting to get into the Sanskrit now, and I'm starting to explore some of the Sanskrit scientists. Uh, there are quite a few of them. 
And so uh, I will eventually come across somebody, I'm sure, that also has this concept. But uh, go and look at that video about Cozy Rev's uh, time experiments at the North Pole. Um, you can see the, you can see it on my, I put the link on my, um, on my Twitter feed and on my, um, uh, true social. So you should be able to find it. Anyway, guys, I got to do real work now. Can't be blathering away all day. So take care. And, um, uh, don't assume that you should attempt to go to the school of the recently deceased. <laughs> okay. This is not for everybody. I kid you not. All right. So if I could convince someone that their life would, would be fine without going there and doing this, I would definitely do that. Okay. It's not for everybody. And, uh, it is a, um, a harsh intrusion of reality into your thinking that will affect you for all of your lives, not just this one. And you have to bear that in mind. Anyway, guys, it's going to be a real interesting, Rest of the year, as promised, and May is going to be kick-ass, and we should have some banks and shit uh, crumble before we get there. So, uh, we'll talk to you next week.